Hello, this is chapter seven, uh, Cultures of Splendor and Power, and part two. So we're leaving off on section five, the Enlightenment in Europe. Between the 17th and 18th centuries, the Enlightenment, which is known as a period in which intellectual, religious, and universal developments encompassed Europe, so during that period, literacy rates surged, physics and other sciences were extended to shape society and political authority. Europeans believed their culture was superior, so there was this like Eurocentric ideal. And objective natural laws were formulated on reason and critical thinking as opposed to a specific class, culture, faith, gender, or political bias. In the 16th century, Europe flourished in economic prosperity, but in the 17th century, Europe suffered religious and political turmoil that led to communal destruction. Spain went bang bankrupt, England's king was beheaded, France was fragmented, the Netherlands gained independence from Spain, and Protestantism was a result of religious wars. In the mid-18th century, more and more citizens of the Western world looked to physicists and astronomers to compensate for the dynastic instability. Copernicus and Galileo were deemed heretics for their scientific revelations as well. In the 17th century, Sir Francis Bacon developed the scientific method involving hypothesizing and experimenting, which we use in science classes today. Isaac Newton used this method to develop his own universal laws. In 1687, he published Principia Mathematica, which included the laws of motion. By 1670, rulers became interested in creating the natural laws. Uh, they built research labs and academies. In 1662, uh, the English king, Charles II, and the French king, um, Louis XIV, wanted to prove that their nations were at the forefront of scientific progress, so they were endorsing these um, natural laws. In the mid-18th century, Newton's laws became widely applied by artists and craftsmen. Female Italian philosophers became popular. Uh, classical scriptures were replaced by data, work, data records and scientific systems. In some places, but Christendom still dominated European thought. And at this point, Enlightenment thinkers were still punished. Philosophers which are Enlightenment thinkers who attributed scientific law to society, um, became very popular in that they criticized mercantilism, criminal torture, political corruption, and superstitions. Uh, some of these people included Voltaire, who was French, Denis Diderot, who was French, and Adam Smith, who was Dutch. Enlightened learning was more widely accepted in France and Britain as opposed to Spain and Poland. Amsterdam, Edinburgh, Philadelphia, and Boston flourished as new commercial centers and sources of learning. The majority of new works were spread through pamphlets written by common folk. Criticism and commercial information were recorded. Royal courts and religious authorities were verbally attacked in these criticisms. Coffee houses in Britain and Germany served as places of open discussion for commoners and nobility alike. Democratic groups challenged the authority of the monarchy and their criticism spread through the pamphlets. Works written by females became very popular and literacy rates in females spiked up. So women had um, more recognition in European society during the Enlightenment era. Enlightenment thinkers emphasized a social system based on merit rather than inheritance. 
1690, John Locke wrote the Treatise on Human Understanding, when he claimed that cultural differences were the product of unequal opportunities to develop intellectually. So it's not based on race or gender. Um, it's mostly based on merit. And in 1776, Adam uh, Smith wrote the wealth of nations, and he claimed that social structure should be flexible and established according to talent rather than title. Again, merit over inheritance. He established the universal economic laws that everyone had the desire to trade, and that's why trade was so prosperous. He advocated for fewer regulations on markets, fair competition, and the division of labor. And pursuing self-interest will lead to individuals to unconsciously benefit and advance the common good, according to him. Thinkers still believe that women were inferior to men as they were not rational. And then we had Mary Wollstonecraft and Olympia de Gouges protesting women's rights. So women were getting recognition, but they were still seen as inferior and women's rights protests began occurring. Uh, thinkers emphasized the idea of using reason instead of force to establish religious communities. In 1770, rulers in Britain and Austria began tolerating other religious groups within their kingdoms, but did not give them complete freedom of worship. So their idea of freedom was just not persecuting them. Uh, the French Encyclopédie uh, encompassed the thought of over 200 scholars. It was popularized among the upper classes, and the book praised the Islamic world for preserving Greek and Roman ideals, but still degraded the religion Islam. Uh, because the Europeans believed that Christian Christianity and uh, just the European race is superior. Fingers, and some were atheists, criticized superstition and religious persecution supported by the church. We have Dave, David Hume, who was Scottish, and he degraded the biblical phenomena. We have Voltaire, who was French, and he highlighted the, goal, the gory crusades. Many monarchs sought this new degradation of the clergy as a way to lessen the church's power over them. So they also supported the crowds that were um, against the church. Religious quote-unquote tolerance meant that rulers weren't as strict in enforcing religious homogeneity. Uh, the Enlightenment brought many people to question their religious authorities and worked to end persecution of minorities. And books comparing Christians and non-Christians ended in heated disputes and interpretation regarding the European identity. So Enlightenment uh, and natural law was harder than many people thought because of all the divides. Absolutists agreed with thinkers about establishing universally applicable and precise systems like a very experienced army or a tax system, the allowing greater social mobility for people to move up uh, and rank more freely, uh, establishing a consensus of knowledge and exploration was endorsed by princes who sought to claim and colonize more land. So uh, the European rulers, of course, were like, yes, we want the academies because we want to be ahead in scientific progress, but we also want you to go out and explore land so that we can take it and colonize it. Uh, refinements in agriculture and production 
religious tolerance, commercial prosperity, and changes in the social system allowed European cultures and non-religious states to combine and unify. Then, scientists tried to classify people using race. In the 18th century, race was referred to a great measure of speed. By 1684, France Bernier wrote The Division of the Earth by the Different Groups of Races Who Inhabited, in which he used skin color, facial features, and hair texture to classify people. Carolus Linnaeus, who was Swedish, classified humans into five groups. Europeans, Asians, Americans, Africans, and native peoples who were, um, who ranged from being most civilized to savages. And George Louis Leclerc, who was French, and jo- Johann Friedrich Blumenbach, who was German, all both contributed to this racial categorization, and classifi- classifications reflected Uh, racial bias as Europeans. In the Islamic world, the Sufi Brotherhood clashed with the ulama over religious studies, Sharia law, literature, and Arabic culture. The ulama monopolized Muslim learning, and there were few political reforms in the Ottoman Empire as opposed to the Europeans. Between 1582 and 1583, two Jesuit missionaries arrived in China and spread their mathematical and astronomical knowledge to help the Chinese restore their their solar calendar. Missionaries participated in Confucian rite ceremonies in order to convince the Chinese that Catholicism was compatible with the main faith here, but many Confucian, um, Confucian followers rejected this. In 1715, Pope Clement XI decreed that Jesuit missionaries were to return, which offended Emperor King Z. He banned all Christian missionaries from then on, and by the mid-18th century, connections between China and Europe were severed, and the Enlightenment did not flourish in China. So, because the Pope Pope uh, called the missionaries back, China was offended, and maybe the Enlightenment would have spread sooner to China if Pope Clement hadn't uh, called the, the missionaries back. Okay, uh, section six, creating hybrid cultures in the Americas. So Europeans brought Christian scriptures and symbols to the regions they colonized in the Americas. American and African peoples converted, but some also retained their indigenous religions. Between the 17th and 18th, I mean, sorry, between the 16th and 17th centuries, colonists adopted practices from the natives for survival. Settlers in North and South America borrowed food and fashion from the nobility in their mother countries, but began to separate from those traditions and create their own identities. Catholic missionaries destroyed the temples built by Amerindians and tried to study the indigenous beliefs in order to later exploit them. Local gods and spiritual leaders were demonized in order to make way for Christian idols. Native peoples never fully converted to Christianity, but rather added the foreign beliefs to their own. So they saw Christianity as an addition to their beliefs, not a replacement. Christian missionaries also tried to convert the African peoples, but failed equally because they retained their own indigenous African uh, beliefs. Colonists began to willingly integrate into Amerindian societies and formed a fixed mixed population. 
Portuguese colonists married local women to push the Amerindians to accept the Europeans. Intermarriage with Com- Canadian and Mississippian women resulted in interracial offspring, and mixed peoples became more common than those of pure European descent. And pure European descent from Europe is Pensularis. Relations between African women and European men were usually forced, uh, but there was a blend of races that contributed to a new mixed culture of the new world due to this um, intermarriage. Colonial settlers embraced native influences and formed their own unique American identities. So we have at the top, we have the Pensulares who were uh, of European descent and were from Europe. Then we have the Creoles who were of um, European descent, but they were born in Americas and they were excluded from uh, the Pensulares' power roles. And the Creoles were not allowed to trade in colonial ports and retained little political power. Then we have the Mestizos, which were of um indian i mean native american and european descent so they were mixed and then we have mulattoes which were european and african descent and we have pensulares at the top creoles then we have the costas which include the creoles uh, i mean sorry the mestizos and the mulattoes places of discussion uh, about new learning topics in Spain and Portugal contribute to the blossoming role of Creole culture, and Spain censored information regarding the new developments and limited the number of printers in the Americas to stop these Creoles from getting too much power, and Portugal went as far as banning printers in Brazil. Uh, British colonists copied the architecture and art style of their uh, mother country. In the 17th century, women could own some property despite living under strict patriarchy because there was um, an uneven gender balance in the Americas, but by the 18th century, women lost domestic power as gender ratios became more balanced. British Americans imported a plethora of books about social, political, and scientific topics, topics, and this inspired them to draft the Declaration of Independence. Now we have part seven, which is uh, the influence of European culture in Oceania. So we have Hinduism, Buddhism, and Islam reaching Malaysia along uh, with Chinese merchants there. In the late 18th century, Europeans began invading modern day Australia and New Zealand. In the 18th century, Australian peoples lived in harsh climates and had a small population consisting of paleolithic peoples so hunters and gatherers Uh, in the late 18th century australia became home to a population of 300,000 people in 1768 captain james hook cook set out to the south pacific to claim australia for britain and observe venus's planetary movement so motives for trying to find australia was for astronomy. He was funded by the Royal Society. Cook and the rest of his crew of scientists brought back thousands of drawings about plants, animals, and people that were unique to the region. Captain Cook went on to travel around the rest of the Pacific Ocean, connecting the Americas and Afro-Eurasia to Australia. 
The native Australians, Australians were forced to labor for the British in order to extract raw materials from the region. Peoples died from European disease and the population declined. In 1788, Captain Cook brought fruits, fruits, herbs, and livestock to Australia. The eastern half of Australia became British territory, and they used this territory to reform displaced peoples. This was like an island for all the criminals that didn't fit into European society, so they were moved here. And Britain exported flax and timber from Australia. In 1860, the population in Australia went from 1,000 people to 1.2 million people, and Britain transformed Australia in a copy of their American colonies. And that basically concludes part two of chapter seven. Thank you.